0: Hi, my name is Ian Parry, and welcome to What the Future, a podcast produced by Future Leaders Mentoring. Today, we're chatting with David Neal in one of our special podcast series on leaders' life stories. Morning, David. How are you today? I'm very well, Ian. Yourself? Yeah, good, good. So, so we've we've both worked together, and we've been in you know companies and kind of shared experiences whilst not knowing each other actually. So we're both kind of. British Gas alumni, and obviously we were part of the same leadership team in in First Utility Shell, so we we know each other a reasonable amount. But I'm I'm hoping to learn quite a bit more about you today, actually. So should we jump into the questions? Sounds good. Cool. So David, tell tell our listeners who you are and what your role is today. Sure. So I'm
1: um, I'm David Neil. My role today, um, or my title today I guess is Chief Growth Officer, which is a relatively new title that's out there in the in the marketplace today. Yeah. Ultimately what it what it means is it's a responsibility to say how do we grow grow the business? How do we develop long-term partnerships? How do we support our clients and ultimately lead to business growth?
0: Cool. And you're you're in South Africa at the moment, aren't you? So you obviously, you know, you you kind of we met in the UK. You're a you know UK born and bred um guy but you find yourself in South Africa how 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 have you kind of found that kind of adapting to a completely different culture and lifestyle
1: yeah so you can probably tell from the accent it's a Yorkshire accent initially you can't lose that I think once yeah. you've been born in Yorkshire it stays with you for, for forever I've, I've been lucky enough um that I've, I've traveled a lot uh as a, as a child so you know we were talking previously around going to school in Australia for a period of, of time. Um, you know, I, I spent some time living in, in South Africa as well ahead of that. And I guess very early on from most of the roles that I started with, there was a lot of travel involved, whether or not I was traveling around the UK or, yeah. you know, working with multinational companies where there was expectation to spend time in in Germany or in Prague, or, you know, so travel, I guess, was always part of my life as I can remember so working for organizations that have footprints into different places like South Africa isn't isn't so daunting because I guess I I see it as quite normal I've got a lot of friends that are back home in in Doncaster right now that you know have been in Doncaster all their lives and that's where they'll stay and and they're quite happy moving around the corner from from the parents so to them it seems quite strange when I say I'm in a different country and a different location and, and with a different business that they, they've kind of grown up in the in the family structure in the community and stayed in one place but um travel I guess has always been part of my life and I I enjoy it you know it's it's, yeah. it's a great
0: great part of the job cool so let, let's get let's get into that then um as far as like your your early life talk to us about what what you what you remember about some of your earliest memories if you wouldn't mind
1: yeah so um I I think that what I remember most about my early life is, is probably the amount of, of travel. So, Mm -hmm. um, and not, not just travel with, um, um, I guess holidays and, and these kind of things. Most of them were domestic travel when I was a child. It was, it was more of a moving locations in, in the country. So I lived in lots of different parts of the country as I moved around with my parents. So I think that, you know, I, my, my memories are really pretty much only staying in, in one location for a couple of years at a time and then moving on to, to somewhere else. So, you know, lots of opportunities to meet new people at, at new schools or or new places. Um, and I guess, what you know, feeding it back to the work element, that, I suppose that's helped me a lot in my later life that I can adjust and talk to people from all different countries and backgrounds about it, because I, I was used to meeting lots of new people as a as a child, you know, I, I think that, that that ties into it quite nicely.
0: Yeah, no, I get you. And that, those early foundations have really set you up for for, for where you are today, haven't
1: they? Yeah, I? I think I, I think so. Um, you know, I, I don't remember, you know, you hear a lot of people that say they went to this primary school and that was pretty much their journey, then this secondary mm-hmm. school and that was their journey. You know, for, for me, I remember a lot of different schools and a lot of different locations uh, growing up, that's for sure.
0: Yes, so change and culture uh, change is obviously kind of um, what you learned as you were growing up, wasn't
1: it? Do you know, I've never I've never thought about it like that, but you're probably right, and that's probably why I feel so comfortable with change, mm-hmm. and why I probably feel more comfortable in organisations or roles that are evolving and changing quickly. You know, I found. British Gas, as as you know, when we worked there, they've been going for 200 years. They're very stable. It was a very um, stable organisation. Probably not as exciting as some of the charity brands that I, I worked with, where from one week to the to the next there was a different different challenge that we needed to fix.
0: Yes. So let's let's get into that then. Let's talk about the journey, sort of from you know getting to where you are today. So obviously you know you've you've kind of got a good ex- amount of experience with British Gas. Talk to us about sort of the roles you've had and some of the things you've learned along the way.
1: Yeah, so um, it's it's quite interesting because I've almost gone full circle. So my early roles as a child, I guess, was very much um, in sales. So I had a group of friends that probably in my later teenage years where we were quite entrepreneurial and, and, you know, had many different business ventures, whether or not I was wanting to go out and, wash cars or we developed our own sports magazine that we were going out and door knocking and saying do you want to buy this sports magazine and various other things. So we're quite entrepreneurial and and quite good salespeople. I think that there's an old article floating out there from from a paper years ago where I think at, at twelve years old I was appointed as a as a sales director to sell this this magazine. So <laughs> always enjoyed those kind of roles. I, I found a a knack with sales in um, outbound calling. So when the market firstly regulated for energy, um, I worked for PowerGen cold calling businesses to say, you, you've not heard of this concept before, but do you want to change your energy provider and dealing with queries around, or oh, you can't come and take my meters out and what's going to happen to my energy supply <laughs> and all, all yes. this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and before that, I guess I was selling um, kitchens and um, you know what else was a selling now, gym memberships. You know, so there's always that kind of nuance to to my roles where sales was yeah. was involved, and then that kind of evolved more into sales management. So very quickly working up to be a, a team leader, then a contact center manager, and and then more into into projects and 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 that kind of thing. I, I was a team leader in. Um, I was talking about this with someone um, last month at 19 years old, and you know, I think the average age of my team back then was probably 30, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I look back now and think they must have looked at me and thought, who's this young kid that yes. doesn't really know about life yet that's telling me, you know, how, how I should be, how we should be leading. So that's kind of where, where it started. And then the first taste, I guess, of um, outsourcing or partnership management uh, really came at, at, at EON where I was responsible for looking after their their third parties um and then from there we did as we've been on for 10 years a whole host of different different roles thereafter uh british gas i, I guess for six years and then first utility where we met um yeah. as, a, as a challenger and then a number of challenges thereafter but i, I guess as i um <clears throat> as i worked through my career there was more and more exposure to outsource providers or bpo providers um and they became a much larger part of my life managing those contracts and um i suppose a a natural step was excuse me was then at one point moving into the other side of the curtain which is okay maybe um there's an opportunity there to to work for an outsourcer but none of my career i suppose a lot of these sorry i'll take it that's water <clears throat> there we go. That's better. Um, not, None of it's been planned here. And all of it has kind of fallen from yeah. one opportunity to the next. Well, I'm in a role because it sounded interesting at, at the time. I was never fearful of saying, okay, it's in a different city or a different town or in a different country. Yeah. If the opportunity sounded cited, I would move to it. And then that just naturally progressed from one to another. So you hear, I guess on this podcast where people say that they have a, a career plan, you know, and and mm. I want to be, but for, for me, it, it didn't
0: work like that. I, I don't even have a plan now. It's just really what, what is interesting at the time. Yeah. And is that, is that the, the one and only kind of decision making thing in your head is to the, the interest of the role? Or do you, do you have like three or four things that you subconsciously think about when you're thinking, ah, somebody's come to speak to me about this role and I'm interested because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I think I think cultural alignment is probably the most
1: important, you know, and, and in companies we've all work for large multinationals. And, you know, the, the company isn't really a company, it's a bunch of people that are representing the company. And more often than not, yeah. that bunch of people is your, your colleagues and and your ultimate direct line leader if if you like. So you know much more than the logo or the brand or the industry, far more important is have I met someone here that I think I can learn from that um, I find yeah. interesting? That you know, I think that, that we could develop a good relationship. And I think that when you look at why most people move, you know, there, there'll be a story there to say a lot of people move because they're inspired by a particular leader that, they, that, yeah. that they've met, or, or you know, as a, an away motivator because they're in an organization where actually the culture no longer feels like they want to work there anymore decisions are being made that they don't inherently agree with or or it doesn't doesn't feel right so mo- most of it is an, an opportunity um presents itself and we have a conversation based simple to this kind of conversation and you know there's a there's a mutual interest that, that's formed from, from that yeah No, well,
0: i get you so thinking about everything you've talked about is there a is it a single or is it or are there a couple of life lessons that you know when you reflect on your career to date that kind of have, have always kind of held true for you that, that you want to share with us?
1: Yeah, it makes you it makes you sound old when you say life lessons, right? Because <laughs> it, kind of looking back where I feel like I'm still I'm still getting started. But I think I think there's a couple of things. I think that once um, you start having less fun days than fun days. Once, once you stop enjoying it, once it gets to a point where you say, "Actually, this no longer feels like I'm having more good days than, than bad," I, I think that there's a there's a duty to yourself to say, "You know, you have one life and one career, and you you should probably think about now's the time to to move on if, if that that's the case." So I think yeah. that's a, always a good bit of advice that that stuck with me uh, from a from a past leader. Hmm. The the other the other one that's always um, stuck with me. I, I was in no way academic. Uh, I didn't like school at all. At 16, I was planning on going into the army, believe it or not, to get away from it all until I was, I was talked back to say, well, maybe you should stay on and do your A-levels and, and think yeah. about edu- education instead. But I didn't really enjoy school. And there's one particular teacher, um, who really didn't like me very much at all. I won't mention his, his name in case he somehow <laughs> listens to this, but, um, um he, he was a it was a business studies teacher. and um, which is interesting because my my general interest was was business at the time. As I say, yeah. as a young entrepreneur, I, I found all that stuff quite interesting. yeah, and um, I was also a bit of a of a class clown and didn't really take studies too too seriously. And one day I remember he um, kept me behind class, and he said to me, you're currently looking like you're going to get a C based on what I can see. This was coming up to the the GCSEs. And he said, if I was to give you a million pounds, would you get an A? And I said, if you're going to give me a million pounds, yeah, I'll get get an A if you're going to give me a million pounds. And he said, so if you're capable, why not just get an A anyway? (laughs) And I walked away, and it's amazing how one Brief yeah. conversation one question can anchor you for the rest of your life and i thought i mean i didn't get an a just but i got a b right but yeah. um it, it, it left me to say you know if you've got the potential why why not live up to that that potential and mm. I, I think that, that's stuck with me forever which is whatever job i go into i want to do it to the best of my but whatever that stability is whatever level it is that that's where i want to want to go to and there's a guy um that we've spoke about previously um martin Pentelow, um yes. and he also um reinforced it in a different way when, when we had a session and, and we're talking about it was a business um conversation and we're talking about our aspirations as a, as a business and he said why put a roof on it Mm. What, 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 why limit yourself to to you know it, it could be far bigger than that so 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 why why limit your thinking and I, and I think that you know the, those couple of things have, have have really stuck with me which is what why not just realize your potential because you've got it within you you know um, so thank you teacher that I'm not going to mention uh, you won't know but that what that one conversation we we had is probably has probably driven me as a as a motivator to achieve things that before that conversation would have taken place i probably never would have
0: yeah probably would have
1: never strived to, to become you know
0: wow that's incredible isn't it I and mean, it it does because you hear people talking about how you can never you can never really tell the impact that you leave people with when you're talking to them and and, and certainly from a mentoring perspective you know, as future leaders, we try and help. We try and do good, but you never really kind of know if 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 you are um, from a metric point of view. But just hearing you saying that now, um, and and he would have carried on through his life and 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 not necessarily known that, you know, that's an anchor point in your life now, in 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 everything. And I'm sure you would have mentioned that story to others as well, and that would have resonated with them too.
1: Yeah, and it's a it's a good point. You you never know, you know, in in leadership, it's it's a great sense of responsibility that often I think that you know we or or people take quite lightly. But you, you you're quite right. I I don't know for the thousands of people that I've I've led in the past. I don't know whether or not I had one conversation that for me was a. A passing remark or a throwaway conversation, but it's perhaps steered them into a, hopefully in a positive place, but steered them in a in a direction uh, you, you you don't know, and pro- probably yeah. you know you, you never will know. But it's it's a it's a sense of responsibility, I guess, that that you take on, don't you?
0: Yes, yeah, I think that that word responsibility is is super important there, as far as understanding that when you do talk to people yes it can' sometimes it can be a tough environment that you're working in but you don't you don't have to be that kind of angry individual to try and get the best out of people and to leave them with that kind of legacy of compassionate positive leadership it doesn't have to be that kind of banging your fist on the table and, and telling people what to do
1: yeah also you know it's um people often ask me about my leadership style especially people that to to out. and my answer to them is that i'm a mixture of all the good and all the bad leaders that i've ever had before me because you know i take from the good ones the stuff that that, that i like and I, for the ones that have led me not so well in in my opinion you know I, I've, I've kept hold of that and said you know i i just will make sure i never do that as a as a leader because i know that how how that made me how that made me feel um, yeah. So I think you can take just as many good lessons from the bad leaders, if we want to call them that, as as good leaders as well. And, and probably I've taken just as many, if not more, from the bad ones to say, you know, that
0: that's not how I want to.
1: Yeah, that's not how I want to lead.
0: Yes, no, I agree with you. Um, and I, I, in in similar situations, it's then taken me a period of time to detox away from those bad experiences because you get triggered by. Certain behaviours, I think, in, in and certainly with with a bad leader, that that you know you kind of get used to being drawn into something, and then if somebody else says the same thing in another in another business, you kind of think, oh, hang on, is this is this the same behaviour, or is this something different? And how do you, you know, you have got to sort of properly detox yourself away and and be properly in the moment to to learn from it. I think. Yeah,
1: and and just recognising the the impact that good and bad leadership have on cultures. Right. So, you know, one of the things again, that I always think about is that, you know, when you're, when you're leading large groups of people that you set the temperature. So if you walk in, in a bad mood and you are stressed and, you know, it, it, it reverberates and, and, you know, it has a much larger impact. So it's that self-consciousness to say, again, it's that responsibility word of yeah. I've got a responsibility that people are looking to me to, to, to set the tone, And, um, it's, you know, the, the culture, the culture thing, I know that you're very interested in, and I think about this an awful lot, cause I think it's probably one of the most important things in any organization. You know, yeah. I always think that you can have, you know, the best systems and the best tech and that you know, but if you haven't got the, the right people and the right culture, you'll never be successful as a group of people that are all culturally aligned, that are working hard and, and, and are determined. And I think there's lots of examples in, in many businesses where that's, that's the case. Um, I see it as the you know, it's thousands of interactions every day. It's not one big brave heart speech where you stand there and say, right, this is how the business is gonna run and whatever. It's yeah. it's all the tiny decisions that you don't realise make up the difference of a of a positive culture or a of a of a small one. And it's it's yeah. ensuring, I guess, that when when you are the, the leader that you're setting the tone and the temperature of, of, of that.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think if this if there's one thing that people should take away from today's podcast is that, you know, you don't have to be that brave heart, you know, leading from the front at all times leader. You know, those little decisions, as you say, throughout the day, the behaviors that that you kind of um, exert and, and and how you kind of raise the raise the standards and and and, and whatnot around the whole of the organization with those little decisions so so important so i think that's a that's like a really good learning point for anybody listening today if, if there's one thing that anyone learns today fantastic yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> cool. so so moving moving on then to something a little bit more practical um do you do you have a, a set daily routine or is it very much uh client driven based on what you see in front of you um I try my best to have a, a routine. It's probably
1: not um, one that I would advise other people to take. So, um, you know, I've, I've got a bit of a a piece where before I go to bed every night, I have to check my emails and just make sure I'm I'm going to bed with peace of mind that I know exactly what's going on before I, I, I do it in the morning. Unhelpfully, I do exactly the same thing just to make sure that there's nothing happened and I'm aware. So I, I feel the need that I have to be somewhat connected with what's going on to feel comfortable yeah. um and then go for exercise in a, in the morning i think that the the healthy body healthy mind really works it's it's a 45 minute intense workout that I, yeah. that i do and um you know it releases the endorphins and and also it filters through i guess a bit of understanding to say okay i know what my priorities are today uh, yeah. i know where i need to focus my time and attention um, there's an element of an operating rhythm that I stick to. So particular meetings and calls and, and what that's in there, but a lot of the nature of the work is, is fluid because we have to, I guess, be reactive to what it is that is important for our our clients. So we're very much a client services business. So, you know, you might have your own priorities in a day, but if they've got different priorities, then it changes pretty, pretty quickly. But I, I do try and, um, you know, have that concentration of knowing the night before that everything's okay. Wake it up in the morning, things are still okay. Refresh yeah. the mind with the exercise, and then and get into the day. I think that's probably the best way to describe yeah. the routine.
0: Yes, and and do you think the um, the checking the emails before you go to sleep and waking up is that a a symptom of working in a you know a multi time zone environment because actually things do happen overnight because it's not the night. You know the parts of the world that you're supporting.
1: I'd, li- I'd like to say it was that. So we, <laughs> you, we, we we're four hours, seven day, three hundred sixty five day business. So you're quite right. You know where one one country is waking up and and another's going to bed. So we, we do we do have that. But it, it predates that in truth. Yeah. It, it, I think it was when the blackberry was first invented. Yeah. If you remember yeah. all back then, and, and emails came through on the on the phone. So yeah. um, it's been a habit now, unhealthily, I guess for a long time, but it, it, it helps me sleep, I guess, you know, I, I go to bed knowing that there wasn't at least for the time that I can control that yes. uh, I'm aware of what's going on.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I guess that's, you know, when you're working in an operation, whether it's, you know, a small contact center or a large contact center, or whether it's multi-site, you know, when you've got customers and people at any sort of volume, there is always a chance of something falling over that, you can help fix. So, yeah, I think it's a—it's definitely for me a symptom of if you know if you if you're running large or even small operations, you do it's a, it's it is an absolute different rhythm. I think.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think you know it, it's that challenge around work-life balance, and is it appropriate mm-hmm. to do so? So, I'm certainly not endorsing it and saying, "Look, this is best practice, and I advise that that you do it." Um yeah. But but for me, it's it's just always given me that that comfort to say yeah. actually in the waking hours, I guess from from the last point at night to first thing in the morning, I've at least got a to touch on 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 what's happening.
0: Yeah, yeah. and and you know you you're right to say this works for me. It's not something I advise, and it's not something that I expect others to do either. It's just something that I'm comfortable with, and it and it helps me. So why not?
1: Yeah, I often stop myself. So, you know, I'll, I'll be in the middle of sending an email and I'll think, no, actually, that's that's not cool. That's like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night for someone and they don't want to ping on the on the email yeah. from me. So I'll, I'll keep it in the draft. So it's certainly not something that, that is an expectation for, for me. It's just my own, own comfort blanket.
0: Yes. So going from something that's really practical and, and trying to kind of think about some of the big, big issues. Um, and certainly, you know, you're, you're a guy that is... You know, travel the world. You've experienced lots of different cultures, and and, and I'm sure you'll have a, a a clear view on this. But you know, bias, whether it's in the workplace or in the different cultures you've experienced, is it something that you think is is here to stay and just part of who we are, or do you think it's something that we just have to get better at? Uh, so I think I think there's naturally
1: on. Um unconscious bias from from people because they don't necessarily understand or or have exposure i think probably what has has helped is technology it breaks down a lot of barriers of people before you know used to you had faxes and phone calls of course but you know if you wanted to to speak with someone you would have to travel to that country or or engage with them that way i think what's helping now i guess is you know the ability to communicate through Zoom and Teams and various technologies where you can speak to people all over the world from all different backgrounds in an instant on a regular basis. And I, and I think even multinational businesses previously used to be somewhat siloed by the restrictions of you having to get on a plane to, to see someone where we probably see much more multinational collaboration now between different divisions in, in different countries because of that. And I, and I think that the more that people engage with People, the more understanding that you have around um, their talents, their cultural differences, the, the norms, the understandings, um, you know, um, and, it, and 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 it's, it's quite fascinating because once you once you understand something, it, it probably breaks down a lot of the the bias. There's, there's a guy um, is a, is a DJ actually is of, of a breakfast show, and he was talking to me around some. Um, cultural training and he was talking around um how uh in a particular culture uh when they're on public transport they purposely speak very loud and they do it because they don't want people to think that they're talking about them now in some cultures you'd think that's quite rude they're talking quite loudly but in their Hmm. culture they're saying actually we're doing this to be polite so you know that we're not talking about you so it's nuances like that i guess that the understanding of that. Helps break down, break break down barriers. Um, mm. But yeah, so I don't I don't know if that answers the,
0: the yeah, question. yeah 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 absolutely, and, and it brings a I think a really different dimension to it, and, and certainly and again this is something that we're seeing more and more in the in in the world of BPOs, and the, certainly the positive movements is this kind of ethical outsourcing that you, you see a lot more now with the, with the better companies, whereas, you know, our days of, of British Gas, where, you know, we were talking about outsourcing to India and, and, and Asia and those places, it was very much about cost-cutting, um, and that being the only thing, whereas these days, you know, it's about building in the community, it's about making sure that the communities in which we're working and serving in are better as a result of us being there, and also... So this is so so important i was part of that outsourcing arrangement and uh i guess the cost is one of the factors but but it's not the only factor anymore
1: no i think i think the the world of outsourcing or the understanding of what outsourcing is has matured enormously so you know hmm. i think that one one view of the world of, of the past was to say we can do it to save to save some money um i i, I don't think that that's certainly when i speak with perspective parents. now that that's the the motivation and a lot of it now is to say we've got our core business so we might for example be um I don't know let's think about an industry we we, we might be an airline you know yeah. we're good at running airlines we know what we're doing with an airline we know how how aviation works um but we might not be the best at handling complaints because that's just not our core business our core business is flying people to places where they they want to go so more and more people are turning to to partners, I guess, to say you are specialists in this because you're dealing with it for many different clients from many different cultures all over the world, and therefore you may very well have people that are more talented at, at doing this than, oh. than what we have. And I, I think that's much more of a, of a driver now to say actually let us concentrate on our, our core business, and yeah. you can support us with your your level of ex- expertise. Um, I, I think that's definitely been a been a big change from from yeah. the early days of of, of partnering. I, I think the people that people, businesses, I think, are now more open to say we don't have to be experts in every in every area. You know, we we, we should know what we're good at and stick with that, and maybe find yes. people that can support us by by being better at it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's certainly um, you know, when people <clears throat> talk to me about partnering solutions, that's probably the starting point. And then if we can save some money on top, fa- fantastic. But it's yeah. it's not the driver.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And it, it's definitely something I've I've recognized as a massive change in in this industry as well. So and that's that's better for the customers that these businesses are serving as well. And and just I think better overall for the, the BPO industry and better for the industries that they serve. So um good to see an industry moving on uh, you know with such positive intent. So we we're, we're at the final question, David. We've whistled through. Uh, the podcast today, so you, you've already said you don't have a plan. So this is going to be an interesting question to answer, I guess. But you know, where where next for you and your life? Is there a, a country in the world you think I, I really would like to work from there, um, or is there or is there no plan other than well, I'm in, I'm enjoying this job and we'll see what the future brings.
1: Yeah, so I, ca- I can't say for the purpose of I guess. My bosses bosses uh, that I don't have a plan, right? You can never say. That. So, from a business perspective, I absolutely have a plan, just in case anybody's uh listening. With that, from from a personal perspective, you know, th- this role now is is so interesting, and you know, we probably haven't had a chance to to talk about it on this podcast. Maybe there's an opportunity to talk further about it. But one of the big drivers of me joining this business was the one agent, one child initiative and you know if you if you don't know what that is i'm more than happy to share details to anybody that wants to to know more but quite simply we're saying for every one agent that a client places with us um, we raise the literacy levels of one child in in school so we've got around 12 schools in south africa now that we um, invest in and support through one-on-one tutorage uh, and also IT systems which have some AI and it's quite clever so you read the words on the screen if you get it wrong it corrects you and and guides you to 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 read correctly yeah. and for those that don't know um South Africa so well 80% of children leave school without being able to read would mean it so you know that's an absolutely startling number that mm-hmm. says even beyond careers you know just having a, a decent start in life by being able to to read is a is a cornerstone that I think a lot of people take for for, for granted. So, it's a real concern um, within the country. And what the commitment is for the business is to say, for every every one person. So if that's fifty agents, then that would be fifty children that we we support. If it's a thousand, it's a it's a thousand. So, t- to be honest with you, in you know my motivation right now is to say, this is a chance for me when I look back on my career uh, to say, I really fundamentally made a difference. You know, there's a lot of businesses that want growth and product launches and all this and all that stuff's great. But this is completely unconnected to the benefit of the business. This is to benefit children to give them the best start. So when, when you spoke to me about my early childhood and my memories and the opportunities in my career, uh, you know, it's almost easy to take for granted that we went to school and yeah. we were taught how to read and write. And, and that led to opportunities that we navigate through into leadership and, and elsewhere. So, you know, right now, my plan, my immediate plan is to say, how do I grow this business to a size that for every thousand people, every ten thousand? Let's not put a roof on it. Right. So let's not not say what the limit is, one hundred thousand, whatever it might be how many children can we support for a future generation and give them the best start in life and that that's really my my short term and medium plan right now is to say let, let let us help those communities and and those kids that that need our help
0: wow that's a great way to end the podcast actually david a real legacy beyond any sort of business metric that i can see just kind of like look, looking at you how Kind of inspired you are to to make a difference there, and and that's you know we we all we all look for the opportunity to make a difference, but that's that's something that genuinely will absolutely make a difference to the to the environment and the the culture and the country you're living in at the moment. That's that's amazing. It's um,
1: what is amazing is that when you go to the school and you see the children. And you meet them, and you see that they're getting the one-on-one tutorage, and you see that they're using the systems, and they're learning to read. It's so powerful because you see, actually, this is this is the byproduct, I guess, of the success of, of of the business. As the business grows, there's more and more children, there's more and more schools, and it does bring you right back to your own childhood and and the schools and the opportunities that you've been been afforded. Um, so yeah, it's it's a real motivation. Of me at the moment to say, do you know, yeah. we we can really change. Change we, the reason why it's called one agent, one child. So is the simplicity of, you know, a movement starts with with one. So yeah. it's yeah, it's one person, and that impacts ten tempi- You know, right back to I guess what we we're saying earlier in the podcast that that one teacher that had that one conversation with me led to, yes. however many chain reactions that I've then had to people's yeah. lives in in the future. You know, and. Who, who knows what impact we're making to the, to the to the world by yeah. by this initiative but it's it's so powerful and it's absolutely my my driving factor right now
0: yeah i can see that great thank you david thank you for sharing so openly today um giving lots and lots of insight and i know that people listening to the podcast will get lots of um lo- lots of inspiration from today and, and lots of lessons so thank you thank you so much Pleasure, Absolute pleasure. So, as always, thank you for listening to What the Future. If you enjoyed this episode, then please hit subscribe and tell others about us. And finally, mentoring is a hugely valuable step on the leadership journey, and we're here to help. If you feel the same way, then please get involved. Tap the Join Us button on our webpage, which is www.futureleadersmentoring.com, and follow us on LinkedIn to jump in on the discussion. But for now, goodbye and we'll speak again soon.